You're listening to Scaling Up Services, where we speak with entrepreneurs, authors, business experts, and thought leaders to give you the knowledge and insights you need to scale your service-based business faster and easier. And now, here is your host, business coach, Bruce Eckfeld. Are you a CEO looking to scale your company faster and easier? Check out Thrive Roundtable. Thrive combines a moderated peer group mastermind, expert one-on-one coaching, access to proven growth tools, and a 24-7 support community. Created by Inc. award-winning CEO and certified scaling-up business coach Bruce Eckfeldt, Thrive will help you grow your business more quickly and with less drama. For details on the program, visit Eckfeldt.com slash Thrive. That's E-C-K-F-E-L-D-T dot com slash Thrive. Welcome, everyone. This is Scaling Up Services. I'm Bruce Eckfeldt. I'm your host. And our guest today is Gina Malakon long and she is a founder of The Greatness You. I met her years ago at an EO event talking about change, how people change, how organizations change, how teams change. Learned a lot of really uh, interesting things, things that I think explained a lot of the experiences and challenges I had as a CEO, as a leader. So really insightful, and I've followed her over the years. She has a couple of great books, Think or Sync and The Secrets of Successful Failing. I love it. She's an engineer by training originally. I was an architect by training, so I've got a lot of, I think, kind of connection with her in terms of the work that she's done and how she's evolved her career and the work that she does. So I'm excited to to talk to her about this and understand what she's doing today and, and hopefully develop some insights about what it means to be a leader, what it means to be at your own peak performance, what it means to take teams to a higher level, particularly leaders that are leading teams of leaders and how they get the most out of them and, and create greatness in the work that they do. So with that, Gina, welcome to the program. Oh, thanks for having me, Bruce. It's been a long time. It has. Um, and, and it was all this world of social media and you know LinkedIn and everything. <laughs> I feel like I, I've kept track of a lot of it, but it's great to actually have you on the program to actually have a, a conversation about this and really hear firsthand uh, what you're working on. Why don't we start a little bit with a background? I, I gave away a little bit of the uh, a little bit of it and that your your beginnings were in engineering, but you know, tell us about that. Tell us about how you've kind of evolved your career, how you focus on this whole thing of peak performance and understanding what greatness is and how people achieve greatness. And then we can talk about some of the work you're doing today. I know you're doing some really interesting research and some of the speaking you're doing on the topics, but let's get the backstory and then we can get into those topics. Awesome. Yes. Well, I always, you know, I, like like any good uh, EO-focused uh, person, I like to start with why. Yeah. So what gets me out of bed in the morning is um, two words, reveal greatness. And that is uh, literally what fuels everything that I do. And the presupposition there is that it, greatness is everywhere and it's yeah. in everyone. And I just really help reveal it. And, you know, the way that I do that is I take my engineering background and my philosophy background and I cram them together and, and I work a lot with mechanistic models models of the mind. And and I always try to explain this to people by saying, you know, if I cracked open your head, I don't think I'd find a bunch of gears inside (laughs) your head. Uh, But if it helps to think of the mind mechanistically, and if you isolate some of these mechanisms, then you can start to tinker with the variables, the input variables, and see if that affects the output. And so based on that sort of principle is I do all of my work in the area of peak performance and the mind, but I try to ground it all in empirical evidence, 
logical, linear thought processes, which, as you know, is very um, palatable to business people and CEOs. And so I've got this kind of unique way of taking sometimes complex or even intangible concepts, you know, like intuition, you were talking about my latest research, and then making it easy to understand, but also easy to action, easy to translate to technique. And that is a lot of that is my thing. And you were talking about change. I mean, it all kind of hinges on the process of change for me. And that was my work as an engineer, as a process control uh, engineer. My thesis was in process control. And so a lot of the work that I do started and still continues to this day around understanding this constant, which is the process of change, which is ironic because everything's always changing. (laughs) The only only constant is change. Yeah. The only constant is change. And so I kind of hang a lot of my hat on that. And then, you know, we go from there. So let's see where it leads us. Yeah. Well, so let's let's give people some examples, just kind of ground folks in the conversation a little bit. You mentioned these these sort of mental models or or models for how kind of the brain works. I I was, my my favorite quote around models is that all models are wrong. Some of them are useful, (laughs) So. Right. I, I, you know what I have written here in my notes? Make sure you say that the mechanistic models of the mind aren't true. <laughs> so so it's true that the models, they, they're, they're not proof. But if you sometimes when you look at something through a model, it just it helps you to, to clear away a lot of the noise. Yeah. yeah. And then it's useful because, you know, if you do isolate one or two variable and then you change it and the output changes, that's extremely useful. Yeah. So the big mind model that I use is this notion of uh, performance or behavior. So here's the big picture nutshell, if you will, mm-hmm. you know, going on outside of us right now is trillions of bits of information available for our brain to utilize. Now, I often quote a study that was done in 1954. This was sort of pre-computer, pre-tote model. These guys were trying to create computers, right? Mm -hmm. Trying to make the computers we now use. So when they measured that stimuli outside the mind, it was 2 million bits of information. Now, you know that that's at least a trillion now. Yeah. But in 1954, it was 2 million. And what they these guys, it was Miller, Pribham, Galantler, like these were the original computer scientists. Mm-hmm. What they found was the brain could only use 126 bits a second to create the patterns of behavior that, you know, the, the, the things that cause our behavior. So if you do the math on that, it's basically nothing. 126 over 2 million is, you know, 0.006%. Yeah. Now, that's obviously that the outside stimuli has gone way up. So that number's even gone way down. So the brain uses almost nothing yeah. to create behavior. So then it comes into the mind. So then the brain's tinkering with 126 bits to create behavior. And then you create behavior. And then you try to tell me it's based on reality. And my first argument is that's nowhere near reality. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's so much filtering. I mean, you've basically filtered out the vast majority of quote unquote raw information to, to go through this process. Exactly. And yeah. so if you're not producing the behavior you want, the problem isn't in the circumstances or the events outside of yeah. you. The problem's in the filtering. Yeah. Okay, great. So that's, first of all, one mind-blowing way of looking at it. Mm-hmm. Then once that comes into the mind, I've chopped it up into three, sort of three, uh, I call it the triad, right? Three posts on which your behavior is dependent, right? Which is the mental, the emotional, and the the physical. So mental processes, I mean, we could talk about how you have 65,000 thoughts a day, but that's overwhelming. So what I like to do is say it's it's your focus, because your focus will determine what your filtering will be. Mm -hmm. And then the other uh, component is your emotional state, right? So you're in an emotional 
state 24 seven. Do you understand what it is? Do you know how to leverage it? Mm -hmm. And then finally, it's your physiology. So that's all wrapped up in, and you probably heard me say this in my talk when I did this in New York was um, the meat suit, right? So it's all wrapped up. <laughs> exactly. Right. And I try and I use that term because I really want people to disengage from thinking that they are their body. I mean, you're yeah. so much more than just your body, right? Yeah. I literally just wrote a paper on extended cognition and how much of our cognition extends into the world around us, mm -hmm. you know, outside of our bodies. And so those three components, focus, emotions, and physiology, kind of couple together. And then that dictates what is quote unquote real for your behavior. And then you behave, you do whatever you do, and then you get your result. So your actions are absolutely important, but they're so much dictated by your focus, emotions, and physiology. Yeah. And then we just optimize that, right? So yeah. focus on what you want, choose positive emotions, and be in a physiology of power. Yeah. So yeah. those are the variables that we optimize if we're looking at the mind like a system, like a performance system. It's not the only way to look at the mind. It is not the true way of looking at the mind. But if we just isolate those three things and optimize them the way I just said, yeah. behavior changes and performance is enhanced. And what are some of the things? I mean, I, I see that there, there's there's a couple of fundamentals here that you're suggesting, but like, how do you actually take control of this? Like, how do you how do you move from position of like, oh, like I get the idea that these are things mm -hmm. impacting to one of, you know, how do I actually sort of move the levers, right? Like, how do I have influence over the levers or what are the things that, that give me some control over these pieces? Awesome question. So it's, I mean, I like to start with focus because the filtering process seems to me over the last 20 years of my work and my research and, and my results, it seems to me that focus is the big lever that changes the filtering process. So it sounds really trite to say, focus on what you want. And most people will say, I am focusing on what I want. And here's the thing, just because the words you're using are air quote yeah. positive, doesn't mean you're focusing on what you want. And the best examples that I give, you know, are sort of um, all center around a yo-yo diet, a yo-yo result situation, right? Okay. So, you know, yo-yo dieting is like basically a given, right? Sure. People, they set a New Year's resolution and they it, it works for a little while and then something happens and they bounce back. And and this happens with money. They, they set a New Year's resolution, you know, they're going to make tons of money and at the end of the year, they're right back where they started. And not in an absolute way, but in a patterned way, right? So if they're always... 10% below the waterline, even if they make a million dollars, they spend a million and a million point one, yeah. and they're still 10% below the waterline. Yeah. So it doesn't matter the absolute factor, it's the pattern that's interesting. Yeah. Whenever I see a yo-yo pattern, it is 100% indicative of someone who's pretending to focus on what they want, while the real patterns that run their lives are the opposite. So the way that I language this is instead of moving towards what you want, you are moving away from what you don't want. Mm, yeah. You're still moving in the same direction, but your focus is wrong. It's on what you don't want because you're moving away from it versus your focus being on what you want. So give us an example. I mean, I think I, like I get it at a abs, at a kind of abstract level, but like what is it like when you actually work with somebody or, or when you're you know actually looking at their thinking or looking at their focus, yeah. what are the things you're looking for either in their language or how they're approaching this? that tells you whether they're in the towards what they want or away from what they don't want mode. So 
language is a huge thing. So let's use money because obviously the clients that you work with, they're they're mm-hmm. trying to tenfold their businesses or whatever. They're a hundred times their businesses. Yeah. So oftentimes we measure that in revenue and money, right? Mm-hmm. So someone might say to you, oh yeah, I'm totally focused on what I want. I want to make tons of money, right? I want to, I want to have tons of abundance or whatever the word of the day is, yeah. right? So that all sounds great. If you were taking a positive thinking course, you'd get a star. <laughs> so here's the thing. And I don't mean to be negative, but mm. if positive thinking was all that it took, everybody would be, you know, rich, skinny in love and, and super <laughs> successful. So why aren't they? So the difference is that if you say, I want to make lots of money or I want lots of abundance, but really what's going on internally is you are terrified of being poor, for example. Mm. You're moving away from lack. You, you're you constantly focused on not being poor, not, not failing. Uh, you're constantly focused on not you know, not like not having enough. If that is how you're internally focused, that is what you will bring into your reality. And so the language is important, but your language can be bullshit. So I have some techniques that I use to dig into the real language, but I also am reading their body. So 93% of the communication isn't verbal, right? So I, I am trained in the vocal quality and the physiology. So looking for incongruency in their language, but honestly, it's their results. So if there's a yo-yo result, mm-hmm. I 100%, there's no question in my mind, their focus is on what they don't want. 100%, doesn't matter what their language mm. is saying. And so then I, I, based on the mechanistic models that I use and some of the peak performance techniques that I'm trained in, we go in and we change the focus. Now, that's a lot of technical terms. There's another way to really know where you're focused. Mm-hmm. And it's the second part of the triad, which is the emotional part. Okay. Right. So I said, choose positive emotions. But the truth is, most people are like, uh, what? what? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I can't just choose to be happy. Like happiness right. is something that happens. Right. You know? Yeah. Here's the thing. I want to, I want to, and this is for business people. So you're welcome. Yeah. First of all, emotions are not something to be ignored or yeah. pretend you don't have or yeah. to be dominated or repressed or whatever you're doing with them. The emotions are a guidance system. Now, again, I got to preface all of this with it's not capital T true. They're just models. Mm -hmm. But try on this emotional guidance system that I've created, right? Mm -hmm. So so what I use is an acronym called SNAP. And the reason why I use SNAP, and I'm going to try and snap near my microphone here, SNAP. Okay. The reason I use SNAP is because truly the point of change, the point when you change behaviors happens in a SNAP, right? It doesn't I mean, the lead up takes forever, the mastery yeah. takes forever, <laughs> yeah. but the change itself is instantaneous. So I use the acronym SNAP with the emotional guidance system because the emotional guidance system is a way for the unconscious part of your mind, which is where all your programs are stored, all your habits, patterns, you know, strategies. Yeah. It's a way for it to communicate with the conscious part of your mind, which is the part of you that makes goals and, you know, strategies and makes like sets goals and imagines and creates and problem solves, mm-hmm. right? So it's a way for it to communicate because the conscious part of your mind is linguistic. Obviously, we're speaking English. That's yep. right. That's all conscious. The unconscious part of your mind doesn't have domain over language. It has no linguistic capacity. It only has domain over running your body, storing all your time and memories mm. and yep. your emotions. Yep. So a model that I use is that the unconscious part of your mind communicates via the emotions when the patterns that it has access to don't match the words coming out of your mouth. 
So if the words coming out of your mouth is, I'm going to make millions, I'm going to have tons of abundance, mm-hmm. right? So that's the conscious part. That's the positive thinking. So you got to have it. Yeah. But then the unconscious mind goes to run the, the patterns, the, yeah. the way, the bit, you know, let's get the, get the strategy out for business, get the strategy, whatever. It's running these things. Yeah. If those things are focused on what you don't want, which is poverty, lack, and whatever else, yeah. then the unconscious mind is in a quandary because it's like, shit, I'm trying to give you what you're asking for, but I don't have a program like that. They're mm-hmm. actually opposite. Mm-hmm. So what it does is it sends up a negative emotion and the negative emotion is a communication and the communication is simple. It's what you're saying and the ways that you have to achieve that they don't match. Yeah. One is focused towards what you want. That's your goal. Yeah. But the pattern we have down here, the habit, it's focused away from. And because of that, the negative emotion is what's present. And that makes sense. Obviously, mm-hmm. when you when you focus on what you don't want, you feel like shit, yeah. right? You you have terrible, you have emotions we would classify as bad. Yeah. So. So the the emotional guidance system basically says, yo, down here, we're focused on what we don't want. Up there, you're focused on what you want. This is a problem. Now here's where the acronym comes in. So SNAP, the first letter is S. It means stop. Stop what you're doing. The minute you feel a negative emotion, stop what you're doing. Because right now, you are moving yourself towards what you don't want. So stop. Notice the so it's emotion. it's kind of the, like when, when you find yourself in a hole, the first thing to yeah. do is stop digging. Exactly. <laughs> so stop, then notice the emotion that's present. Uh-huh. Let's just say it's fear or anxiety because that's a big one, right? Yeah. And then do something. So that's notice. N is notice. A is alter. You have to do something to alter. Either consciously alter your focus. Mm-hmm. Or do some sort of emotional technique. I mean, I do things like timeline therapy, NLP, hypnosis, but there are thousands of techniques. I'm sure you've had hundreds of people on your show that have techniques. They all work. Yeah. Do one of them. Yeah. Until the emotional state changes, because that's indicative of the fact that the focus has now changed. Interesting. Yeah. Then the P stands for proceed, right? On focusing on what you want. Uh So stop, notice, alter, proceed. And and so, you know, people will say to me, Oh, I don't agree with you. I tried this technique and it didn't work. Let me give you the lowdown on change. There are only (laughs) two requirements for change Mm -hmm. desire and willingness. So if you are 100% in a, like, 10 out of 10 in desire for change, like, you want it so badly you can taste it, mm-hmm. you know, often my private clients will be an 11, right? Like, I won't even take a private client if they're not a 10 out of 10. Yeah. And I only take 10 or 12 clients a year. I turn more people away. Yeah. Because you have to have 100% congruent desire. It can't be something your partner wants or your wife, uh, your husband. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Classic. Right? So 10 out of 10 for desire, but 10 out of 10 for willingness or and to use your language in your world, coachability. Yeah. Because if you're not willing to do what it takes, no matter what the technique is, it can't work. So sometimes I have techniques that might you may never have heard of, or maybe you consider them to be a bit out there. Mm-hmm. And if you're not willing to do them and or you don't have the desire, guess what? It falls flat on its face. Yeah. So when I'm training, like a lot of coaches come to me for like additional training, just mind training, right? Yep. Behavior training. So when I'm training them, I spend an unbelievable amount of time drilling into their minds that if the client doesn't have 100% desire and 100% willingness, this technique and any other technique, quite frankly, will produce zero results. Yeah. Not because the technique doesn't work. 
techniques work every time, provided there's desire and willingness. Yeah, that the underlying motivation is really there, the, the willingness to make the change. Yeah. Right. The willingness to, to surrender to the process. Uh-huh. You know what it's like when a client won't surrender to the process. Oh, yeah. Like, it's painful. Oh, it's, I'm always impressed on the number, the extent, the creativity of reasons why they can't do what yeah. we're talking about doing. <laughs> oh, my God. Like, one client once said to me, well, you're not going to make me, you know, cluck like a chicken, are you? And I was like, well, first of all, no. But, <laughs> but if it worked, but, would you do it? Well, that's an interesting thing to say. Like, yeah. I thought to myself, maybe I should make you cluck like a chicken because... Yeah. <laughs> Like then, then we'd be through this this limiting belief that you're that you're going to hold something back on me, yeah. right? And yeah. and by the way, how you do anything's how you do everything. Yeah. So if he's holding back there, he's holding back in the office. He's right. So you know, it's literally that kind of thing as a gift because it it smokes out the secondary game, right? Yeah. Like, but so I say, stop, notice, alter, proceed. Now the techniques I use, I stand by, and they, they're the ones I use. But they're not the only ones. So people always come up to me and go, well, I don't know if I believe in that, but I use this guy. Great. Like, I don't care what you're doing. What you're doing is you're being at cause for utilizing your inherent systems to change yourself so that your results can change. Yeah. Right. You know, the definition of insanity. Um, I I like to tweak it a bit because people will always, they'll come in, I'm doing different things. I'm, you know, I'm not doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result. And I go, okay, fine. Do whatever it is you do, but recognize that if you be the same way, so if you're being the same person with the same focus, emotions, and physiology day in and day out inside the meat suit, if you be the same way and do whatever it is you do and expect a different result, that's the new definition of insanity. Yeah, yeah, I like that. It's kind of the the underlying intention, the underlying. It's it's almost like you need to be willing to change who you are or how you're showing up to to have those kind of. Change. It's not just the technique. It's it's an underlying belief. Yes, you totally get it. You yeah. just nailed it. You should clip that. That's a quote right there. <laughs> Done. Uh, so let's talk about that in, in the in the context of leadership and the context of you know kind of being a leader, being a yeah. founder, being a CEO inside of an organization, inside of a leadership team. Like, how does this stuff um, yeah. you know apply to apply to you and how you're showing up as a leader on your team? And what can you do or what can you borrow to help your leaders? You know, be better leaders, be stronger leaders. You know, step into their power on this. What are the things that you focus on? What are the things you can't focus on? Give us a little bit of your insights on you know. How, how this shows up when you're dealing with teams and business. Sure. I mean, let's let's be clear. In a perfect world, everybody who works for you wants to know as much as you do and is willing to change as much as you are, but I don't think that's the case in the real world. Yeah. So what I say to the leaders is this. The number one quality, if you have to pick one for the rest of your life to develop as a leader of leaders is flexibility of behavior, right? The person or system with the most flexibility of behavior controls Ooh, the outcome. Yes. So... First out of the gate, you have to be the most flexible person in the room, bar none. Second thing I need to point out is, you know, that little triad we just talked about, focus, emotions, physiology. Mm-hmm. The way that you do it is not the way that the other person does it. So everybody's got a slightly different filtering mechanism, right? Mm-hmm. And it's like languages. So you don't speak the same language. Mm-hmm. They speak a different language than you do. And it's easy for people to go, okay, I get that. But here's the thing. Most leaders try to lead from their own language. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's kind of the story of life. <laughs> right? 
it's selling, sell from your own language. It's a nightmare. So, you know, I often do my little story about language and then I say it's much more effective to whisper in someone else's language than to scream in your own, right? So you then as a leader, your real job is to learn how to be able to read people so that you can lead them. How do you read them to be able to discern what their language actually is? And I don't mean their actual language. I mean their their mind language, right? Like, how do you learn? you got to become good at discerning their model of reality. Now, there's a million tools out there, right? Like, mm-hmm. it's anything from the color thing, disc, Myers-Briggs. Mm-hmm. Like, these tools, well... In, on one hand, are basically worth the paper that they're printed on. On the other hand, they're really useful in illustrating how many different ways people can be different. Yeah. So as a leader, your job is to try to figure out in big buckets, who do you have? Not what you don't have. I, look, you and I could have a discussion about peak performance, and I have an opinion, and I absolutely have a model for peak performance, for sure. But in the real world, if someone doesn't want to change, there's nothing you can do to change them. Yeah. Oh, and and I'd also like to say, by the way, if someone wants to change, there's nothing you can do to stop them. Just so, <laughs> it's an interesting. I I hadn't considered the corollary to to right? the to the axiom on that. Yeah. Yeah. So I love the paradox of it. But yeah. so as a leader of other human beings or other meat suits, right? If they don't want to change, or you don't have permission to change, or you don't have permission to coach, then there's nothing you can do to get them to buy into what you're doing. So then your only chance is to figure out what you do have. Yeah. What do I have and then learn how to leverage what you have so that you could get the best possible performance out of it, right? So let me use the example. Let's go back to focus Mm because that'll tie this together nicely, right? So you should focus on what you want versus what you don't want for peak performance. That's a given. Mm -hmm. Now, the truth is the people on your team probably aren't thinking like that. So they're to some degree because of the way that we are culturally brought up and the way that we're taught to deal with failure and whatnot. We focus on what we don't want a lot. Yeah. Like that's just, it's just the way it is. Avoid. So, we, do, we focus on avoiding certain things from happening. Yeah. So you have people on your team who that's just the way they're wired. Yes. My opinion is if that's you and you want to change it, you should rewire. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. But you can't change other people without their permission. So in business, we call this the carrot or the stick, right? So do you motivate people with the carrot or the stick? Mm -hmm. Okay, well, I could write an entire book and tell you why the carrot is absolutely the best way to go, for sure. Mm -hmm. But I could also write another book about how you can't change someone who doesn't want to change. So better, you should know what you do have. So let's say you have three people on your team who are carrots and seven people who are sticks, because that's the reality. Okay. Okay. You need to understand how the stick motivated person works. Yeah. You need to, now that doesn't mean you need to beat them with an actual stick, (laughs) but the language you use needs to resonate with their neurology. Yeah. So you need to say things like, here's what we want to avoid, or, you know, we won't be able to uh, pay the bonus unless we hit our targets. Like, I know that sounds like negative talk and I get it, but that's who you have. Now, if you've got carrots on your team, you say things like, here are the benefits. Here's what we're going for. And when we hit our targets, you know, we're going to, angels are going to explode. We're going to have a big bonus session. Right. And so there are ways to quickly um, ascertain that in a person to re- get a read on someone uh-huh. by simply asking them something like, what do you want in a job? Or what do you want in a car? Or what do you want in a relationship? And then listen for their answers and don't be duped by a wolf in sheep's clothing. Yeah. Right. So they say, or you say, what do you want in a job? Right. And they go, oh, you know, I, I, I want to make good money. And, and they look at me and they go, oh, that's positive. Oh, no, no, no. Dig underneath. Say, why is that important to you? And you'll find out that it's important because, you know, they got a mortgage to pay. 
away and they don't want to be broke and they grew up poor and you get all these away froms. And so the, the words good money, even though to you sounded like a towards, that's really a stick. Yeah. So you, you just conversationally can get a read on people by listening to what they say and clarifying what's underneath it. Yeah. I and think it's, it's amazing. I mean, just so much of this process I find with leadership is, you know, get, getting leaders to be more aware and questioning and observant and, and kind of understanding who they really have, who, who they really are personally, and then who their team really is, right. you know, from a, from a wiring and a motivation and an understanding, what are their values? And I, it's so often that leaders like a lot of this conversation and they're like, oh yeah, I never thought of that. And I'm just yeah. like, really? <laughs> it, it can be transformational. It also can be, it can be flummoxing. I mean, a lot of, a lot of these well, leaders end up with this. It's like, well, I don't know what to do now. Yeah. Well, they realize, oh, shit, I might not have the right team, yeah. which just sucks. Yeah. But, you know, I'll tell you a story about a private client of mine in Australia. You know, he knew he didn't have the right team. And, you know, he could have, he could have told you the exact number. Let's say it was, um, I don't know, like 13 people were wrong. And I was like, well, I know that that's painful, but you kind of inherited this company from someone else anyway. So mm -hmm. it's not like you hired them on, but they don't match your values. They don't match your processes. Yeah. And, but you know, he was really concerned with like being a good guy and you know, like CEOs, they sometimes they want to be liked more than uh, they want to leave. Right. Yeah, exactly. So he just was like, no, we're going to, you know, I believe Push through whatever. So then, you know, X number of months later, I get a panicked, panicked call because like they quit like, and Andy lost two good people. Yeah. And it was like, look, you had an opportunity to lead and really defend your boundaries and your values. Mm -hmm. And now instead you're playing catch up. Yeah. And so the outcome was the same. And you do this as a coach, right? Like we, we, our job is to sort of show them what they don't want to see. Yeah, absolutely. To ask, to, ask the questions they, right. they haven't been asking themselves. Yeah. And provide them with the tools to to get there. And, and it might be painful. Short-term pain, long-term gain, right? Yeah, yeah. But it comes down to what you value more, right? So, you know, when you're trying to grow somebody like a hundredfold, right? Like yeah. what got you to $2 million isn't going to get you to 200 million. Yeah, exactly. So significant things have to change. And everybody says, oh, I love change. And, and I say that's <laughs> bullshit. <laughs> Yeah, like change that you want. Or yeah, exactly, exactly, exactly. <laughs> right? And so, so, but significant things usually have to change. Painful things usually have to change yeah. when you're trying a hundred times your business, right? Because if, like, honestly, if it was, if it was enough to just think it or set the goal, yeah. you don't already have what you want. Exactly. So yeah. that means it's something out of awareness. Yeah. And that's where I spend all my time. And most people aren't willing to go there, but I love, I spend my time in the unconscious mind. I'm happiest looking in the dark, right? The Secret of Successful Failing is not a book about how to fail. It's a book that, about how to turn your greatest ad adversity into your strongest advantage. Yeah. And so if you want to find your brightest light, unfortunately, you've got to look in the darkest room. Ooh, so, I like it. Right? right? So that's where I spend my time digging up you know, the things that have maybe be put quietly under the bed. Yeah. Because if you can undo those programs that are the, you know, like the one, like I said, the, like the money one's a big one, right? Like, think mm -hmm. about this. You know, when you were in college, you, you, maybe you were, um, and I don't mean you, Bruce, I mean you, like general everybody, uh -huh. like, so, <laughs> the audience. Yeah. So there you are in college and, you know, you're, you're just at the, at the break even point, right? You, you have no money, but you don't spend much money. Yeah. 
So maybe you're 10% in the hole, right? Then you get your business going and you make your first million, but you spend 1.1, like I said at the beginning yep. of the call. You're still 10% behind. Yeah. Then you make 100 million, but you spend 110 million, you're still 10% behind. Yeah. That's the same pattern. Yeah. And, and you so, see that so often. I mean, and it could be about, you know, over, under, the way you yes. deal with people. I mean, there's a whole, we're all just patterns. <laughs> So even though they'll turn around and say, but I, you know, I was broke in college and now I make a hundred million dollars. Great. Bravo for you. But the thing is you're running the same pattern. And so the work that I do and the mechanistic models of the mind that aren't true, but very useful, Mm -hmm. help me break the pattern. Yeah. So that you can make, you know, make a hundred million and spend 80 million and have 20 million in your pocket. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And and rolling around in abundance. So, but that requires a completely different pattern. Yeah. Which is usually out of awareness. Yeah. It's interesting because I, I see, you know, I, I see a lot of companies and certainly a lot of people that, that come to me, a lot of people I work with, they, you know, they go, I want to scale this. Like I want to, I want to go from, you know, 5 million to 500 million. I want to, I want to yeah. scale up this company. And, and we start looking at the company or we start looking at the situation they're in and, and it's not a great situation, right? Either yeah. they're, they're not making money, the profits marginal there. There's a lot of drama on the team. The processes are a nightmare. There's a lot of quality issues. And I'm like, are you sure you want to scale this company? Because it's just going to scale all these problems, right? We kind of need to fix yes. it now. Let's fix it at this level before we, you know, 10 times your problems. And it's a real, like, it's hard because they, they feel like, well, if I just make it bigger, I'm going to solve all my problems. And I said, no, you're just going to, you're just going to scale all your problems here. Oh my God, Bruce, that is, so I have to tell you that I may steal that example <laughs> and use it because when I explain the process of change, that is so, I, I literally love that. So the point C on my, on my process of change, right? It's the, it's the change point, point uh-huh. C. It's the point where if, if you've ever seen me draw the little check mark, it's the it's the pivot point yep. where you're going down and then you're going up, mm-hmm. right? So I'll always pause when I'm teaching and say, listen, be careful what you accept at point C because whatever you accept at point C is what you will master. You will make it the pattern. And so I use the example up until I heard your great example. I use the example of, you know, do you know somebody who's been driving a long time, thinks they're a good driver, but is really not a good driver? And that's everybody's got that aunt or uncle, right? And so what happened is they learned to drive badly. And then they mastered it. Yes, exactly. So your example is way better because I speak to CEOs all over the world and that's a business <laughs> example. So I'm going to like tell them, I got this from Bruce, right? Absolutely. Do you really want to scale a business that's not profitable? Yeah. No! Yeah. Oh, oh my God, that's genius. Yeah. Oh. No, and that, but that's but that's you know that's so much the sort of the thinking. If I just if I just get bigger, I'm going to solve all my problems. Like, no, oh my God. you're just going to make your problems bigger. <laughs> you're, you're actually just going to make the the swing harder. Oh, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Oh, I love it. Oh my God. You know, I'm working on a new book, and that's going in there for sure. We're awesome. going to talk. That is so good. Awesome. Uh, this has been fun, Gina. We're going to hit time here. Uh, if people want to find more about you, about the work that you do, your books, the organization, what's the best way to get all of that? Okay. So first off, I have to say that we've started this new social media thing. I'm a little late to the party. Um, <laughs> sorry, I'm old. So we have a big social media presence. We've been going crazy lately. So um, Instagram is Gina.Molicone. So it's G-I-N-A dot M-O-L-L-I-C-O-N-E. Um, Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, they're all just Gina Molicone with no dot. And then my the website, the best website is really greatnessu.com. And that's greatness with the capital U. Dot com. So G-R-E-A-T-N-E-S-S-U.com. And if you're really interested, 
in there, if you go under programs, we've got something called Leadershift. And that's an eight-module program that is really designed for basically what we were all just talking about, Mm -hmm. chopped up in eight different ways to look at the mind versus like sometimes it's just for the leader. It's like just for the the top of the pyramid, right? Uh How do you look at your own mind? And sometimes it's like, how do you drive this through leaders of leaders and and leaders of people, right? So yeah, that's that's the way we're looking at it is like, how many meat suits do we have? How many are we talking about? And which mind are we actually working on? Uh, I will make sure that all those links and the handle and your your Twitter handle and everything or the uh, Instagram handle are in the show notes so people can click through and get that. Awesome. This has been a pleasure. I always, I mean, I always love these topics. I love speaking with you on it. So I really appreciate you taking some time today. I think it was great. I think everyone got some really interesting things. I think they're probably scratching their head a little bit, but I encourage them to go check out your content, check out the work that you do, uh, fill in the gaps, really powerful stuff. So I really appreciate you taking the time today. You're welcome. And you know, um, one final thing I wanted to say is we have this yeah. thing called Greatness Week. It's like seven days of focused stuff. So that's also, if you go to Greatness You or even if you go to GinaMolicone.com or whatever, it pops up as a as the first thing because it's like a way to get into the material. It's totally free and it's just a way to get into it and maybe set a goal and see see how the variables tweak for you. Um, so that's always an option. And next time I'm in New York, we definitely have to connect. We will. This is good. Maybe we'll do a live podcast or an in-person oh, yes. podcast. That would oh, be I fun. That would be fun. And, and of course, I'll see you at all of the coaching stuff that we do. We do. We're on similar circuits. And that's kind of the fun part of being in this business is, is getting a chance to connect with all the all the other folks that are working with companies, working with leaders, try to try to help improve their performance, improve their results. You know, so it's it's, it's great. I, I appreciate it. And yes, we will connect soon. Awesome. Thanks so much. You've been listening to Scaling Up Services with business coach Bruce Eckfeldt. To find a full list of podcast episodes, download the tools and worksheets, and access other great content, visit the website at scalingupservices.com. And don't forget to sign up for the free newsletter at scalingupservices.com slash newsletter. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.